Nick Kiprios here, and we need to talk new energy. New energy is a great tasting, chewable tablet I carry everywhere. Whether I'm broadcasting a late night doubleheader or going to an early morning pickup skate, new energy is, hands down, my go to to help promote alertness, wakefulness, and relieve fatigue with only ingredients I love. Look for the orange stick at a retailer near you, or look for my webpage at getnewenergy.com slash Kiprios. That's getneuenergy.com slash Kiprios. This product may not be right for you. Always read and follow the label. Right, another episode. Oh, there you go. Another episode of World Hockey Report with Cody and Adam. Adam Ermitrout here with Cody Jansen. And it's a bit of a depressing Monday. I mean, the best time of the year is over, not Christmas. I'm not talking about Christmas. The World Juniors are over, and that's pretty much going to be this show. So I hope you're ready for a recap. Cody, how's it going? Oh, it's going. Um, yeah, as you said, it's kind of a weird time now. Like, you just get so spoiled with hockey over the past two weeks. I mean, I'm a big Spangler Cup guy, obviously, but World Juniors is second in an Unreal Tournament. That was a pretty crazy finish, too. We'll definitely uh, get more into that, but happy to be here, as always. And uh, big news is now that we are going through a new platform, don't want to name drop, but hey, we're going to be on a bunch of new platforms. I've seen Spotify, I know Google Play already, there's some other crazy podcasting hosting apps but uh yeah the real ogs 12 ounce sports they're still there so yeah more ways to get the world hockey report yeah more ways to listen and i think you're gonna want to hear this one i mean we both watched most of the world junior games if not all of them at some point so we were pretty much the place to come to for all the content twitter was fire for those uh couple of weeks there i mean big thanks to everyone who followed along too like a quick shout out all the beauties everyone who commented i think we had like 40 some comments on that final game score and no one got the right score so that's pretty funny i mean who would have predicted that gold medal game no one yeah exactly so i guess to recap United States beat Russia in the semifinals and Finland beat the Swiss in the semifinals so the two faced off and a pretty that was probably the best game of the tournament obviously gold medal game stakes are higher but best game of the tournament finland jumped out to a two nothing lead with about 10 minutes left in the third and then us got two quick ones and it was the projected number two overall pick capo Kaku getting the winner with a minute 26 to go what'd you think well before we even get into that i mean we skipped way ahead dude we didn't get to talk about canada finland uh well we'll get to that after Okay, we'll get to that after, I guess. Adam says yeah, we'll do our Hockey Canada. We'll rip our Hockey Canada guys after this. Love them. Uh, what a gold medal game, though. I mean, that's my breakdown. Unreal. Started off as a goaltending battle, then all of a sudden the guns came out. Bang, bang, bang. Like three goals in two minutes. Probably some of the most exciting two minutes of hockey I've seen in I don't know how long. Been a long time. Yeah, the Finns, I mean... Hey, that's a heck of a team there. They battled. They were resilient. They did everything you need out of a championship team. And, and that Capo Caco, whatever the hell his name is, solid player. I still don't think he holds a candle to Jack Hughes. Like, I still think that no. if you're arguing for him to be the number one pick, you're, I mean, you're on glue or something. Because, yeah, he's no Jack Hughes. But yet again, like, 
those two guys in the same game. That was fun. I swear, every time something was happening, there was a guy with a cage on the ice. And it was one of those two. Yeah, and that's going to be part of our, our Hockey Canada ripping. But terrific Finns team. And I, I tweeted out, I mean, everyone kind of wrote these guys off when they saw the talent in the NHL. And let's be real about it. They probably had, of the players in the tournament, they probably had the two best eligible players playing in the NHL with uh, Miro Heskinen, who's an all-star for the Dallas Stars, and then Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who got his 20th point last night. So, yeah, and people kind of wrote them off, but it seems to go this way in really any any league at any level of hockey. If you have the better goalie, you're going to win, and sure enough, they have the best goalie in the tournament. Yeah, that's uh, that whole MVP thing, I mean, we don't need to get started. We'll talk about that later, but yeah, I mean, UPL was sick in that final game. He was great. Was he the goalie of the tournament? If you watch those round-robin games against Sweden and the USA, you might think a little bit differently. But hey, played outstanding against Canada. Played great against the Americans. Didn't really have to do anything against Switzerland. So yeah, he is probably goaltender of the tournament. But I've said it before. I mean, I think Caden Primo is going to be one heck of a goaltender. How he moves side to side. There was no goalie in this tournament close to as agile as him. Like, are, are you not impressed with how many like backdoor saves and one-timer saves he makes and how easy he makes him look? Yeah, he was terrific. The only goal I didn't like was the the first goal yesterday. It was a, it was a great one-timer, but he seemed like he overcommitted a bit and he slid past his far post. So that's the only one, but I mean, he played great in that game. That is true. I mean, you pointed that out uh, on Twitter, I think it was. and You know, fair point. He overslides, but yet again, that's a beauty shot and a bomb that goes post an inch. So if he overslides an inch, I mean, if he if he doesn't overslide by an inch, he might get a piece of it. So yet again, I mean, it, it was a crazy game. Yet, I mean, the Americans were yeah. blocking shots too, but the two they don't block end up in the back of their net. That That's a big storytelling that i mean i've said it before i've said it since i mean the round robin when canada wasn't looking good getting beat up on you gotta block shots if you want to be a championship team the Finns put their body on the line i mean mikey anderson had like two or three shots blocked on one power play and it's not because he wasn't trying to get them through the Finns were going all out they wanted it more just from Finland's perspective, the guys who stepped up, uh, shout out to the Swift Grand Broncos, uh, former Swift Grand Bronco, Alexei Haponiemi, nine points in seven games, tied for the tournament lead in, in scoring with Denisenko off of Russia, but he was great. Uh, Yoko Haru and Vakaninen on the back end, they were, they were just two rocks. I mean, if you had to pick a top five D in the tournament, I mean, those two guys would definitely be on it. And then, their captain, I mean, what a gutsy performance. Comes out for the third period, clearly is not right. Stumbles when he's doing his little spin to to see if his legs good to go. But, I mean, he, he was our captain and leader. A little disappointed in Ellie Tolvanen, who didn't actually score the whole tournament. And everybody thought, you know, after the big Olympics last year, he'd really light up this tournament. But, yeah, he was, I mean, he was bearable in the Canada game. I thought he was really, really good, just didn't really... Get the goal, and then you mentioned Capo Caco. I agree that I don't think anybody's going to pass Jack Hughes at this point, but it's kind of funny though because pretty much everybody in Canada out here who's checking the draft rankings are like, "Well, why is this 
Capo Caco guy just cemented his number two behind Jack Hughes. Like, what's he what's he doing? That's so good. And I think we saw it at the tournament. Oh man. He was phenomenal. Like, I don't want to downgrade him by saying he's not better than Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is just that much better than everyone else. But I mean, that finish kid's right up there too. Nasty hands. He's I mean, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, like, what does hockey IQ mean? It's that smarts. It's that he slides back door there where he knows he's got open space. He knows everyone's jamming away. They're all facing east. He goes west, picks up the loose puck, slides it past Primo, or doesn't slide. I guess he fired in the back of the net. But, you know, just right place, the right time. You got to have some smarts to get there. And he was dominant too. Like, like he was controlling the pace. He was, he was honestly way more noticeable than Ellie Tolvanen was. Am I, am I wrong by saying that? No, I agree with that. And just from the Americans' perspective, it was a little strange how Jack Hughes, and I'm not too sure about this one, but him and Paling weren't out there for the last minute. I know they didn't get the whistle and didn't get out there, but I think Hughes stepped onto the ice with 11 seconds left, and they had the puck in the Finland zone for about a minute. Um, you know what? The States were a good team, though, I think. Ryan Paling was by far and away the best player at this tournament, I'd I'd argue. I mean, what a pick by Montreal to get him late in the first round a couple of years back. And then Josh Norris was really good. That Chemlevsky, uh, you know, you, ha- you hadn't really heard a lot about him. He just plays plays up in the O, but he was great. Uh, Farabee was good. Partially disappointed in Oliver Wallstrom. I think we were, we were texting about this. You know, he was he was good at times, but you could tell he wanted to be the guy a little too much, you know, where he just, he would take those shots to try and be the hero post to making the right play. And I kind of saw that with him. Also saw a little bit of that with Quinn Hughes. I mean, he's going back to the Sweden game. They're down three, nothing. He tries beating three guys. They go and break win score. And then almost happened yesterday. He was, he was great though. I mean, like what a skater he is and what a player the Canucks got. So you know, this, the States are good. It's probably pretty disappointing for them not to have won that, but we talked about Uko, Pekalukin, and and how well he played. Now, back to the goaltenders. I mean, what's your thoughts on Lukanen? It, it's impossible to see the future with goaltenders. It, it changes so much. But what do you see his ceiling being? If you if you're to pick today, if you're to tell me right now, what's his ceiling as an NHL, AHL, KHL netminder? Oh, I think he's an NHL guy, just given what... Uh... What Buffalo has, they have Linus Allmark, who's a good young guy, but Carter Hutton's got a couple of years there. And I I think he's an NHL starting goalie. We've seen, other than maybe what, Justin Pogge, a lot of the guys who have lit up this tournament. I mean, Carey Price, Andre Vasilevsky, Yaka Markstrom's been a serviceable NHL goalie. I mean, guys who light up this tournament tend to go on to have, have nice NHL careers. And I mean, this... This guy's a big kid who already plays in North America in the OHL, and I think he was pretty much second in all the stats to Di Pietro in the OHL. So, yeah, he he looks like he could be a stud. He's got everything. I mean, a lot of comparisons to uh, drawing a blank right now. Oh my goodness, Nashville there, Pecorine. I mean, very similar. Watching them, they're big, they're mobile, they take up a lot of the net. But yet again, he got himself out of position. Like that first American goal should never go in. 
I mean, they're shooting from the corner. No chance on that. And that Norris goal, well, he overcommitted on the first pass, or first play, I guess, when Chemlis, he's coming down the left side. But yeah, I, it's hard to fault the guy. That's really hard to predict, as you said. I do think he's going to be an NHL goaltender. It's going to take some time. It's going to see if someone's going to rush him in. I don't know. I don't really think he's that much. Like, I don't think he's a Thatcher Demko. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I mean, hey, great tournament for him. He was uh, he was tournament MVP, or not MVP, but top goalie. So, well-deserved. I mean, hey, you take your team to a gold medal, play pretty much the whole tournament, especially after bouncing back. Like, Finland, I mean, they took the raw end of the stick last year in Buffalo, and UPL was a net for every minute of it. So that's a nice bounce back performance for him, but it shows how valuable that experience is. Look at the Swiss, like 14 returnees for them. They come to this tournament, whole different team. It's big. I mean, that that experience is priceless. Well, our boy Christian Volven, that's what he said. He said, you know, the experience you get if you come back with a couple of returning players, it makes a, a whole world of a difference. But let's uh let's recap the bronze medal game a little bit, you know. Pretty one-sided, but I kind of want to ask you about Russia and just your thoughts on their performance and what you saw from Klim Kostin in the semifinal game. Obviously, these are emotional kids, and we'll get to that uh, just at the end, just, you know, how devastating it is for these kids to have to go up and get their medals in front of all the cameras and all that bullshit. But what were your thoughts on the Russians this tournament? Honestly, they surprised me. I did not expect them to have that good of a tournament. To win bronze? More than I thought. I expected a lot more out of teams like the Czechs, the Swedes. You know, Russia just really didn't stand out to me. Klim Kostin wasn't a big enough name. You know what? They didn't have a Svechnikov. They didn't have an Ovechkin or, you know, Kuznetsov. They didn't have one of those guys in their lineup who, who makes you, like, watch for them. And Klim Kostin wasn't that guy. I mean, the whole tournament, he was mediocre. The only thing he did was, if anything, he was an agitator, which is kind of weird for a Russian to be doing. But yet again, I mean, loves the attention. Good on him. Did it. I mean, he was funny. He was entertaining. Hockey's, uh, I mean, it's entertainment, right? You know what? You're putting on a show. Klim Kostin did it. Klim Kostin had people watching him. Yeah, we can get into their stuff later. But uh, the Russian goaltending was good. You know, something I didn't really expect. I believe both of their goaltenders playing the VHL, which was something weird because usually the Russian goaltenders would be playing in the top league, the KHL. Even like, uh, was it Samsonov the past couple of years or two years ago? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. See, like those guys are already playing yep. in the KHL. They're playing 20, 30 games. They're not starters. They're not studs, but at least they're playing against guys like Datsuk, Kovalchuk, Radulov, you know, elite level players who could fit into the NHL almost. And these guys are playing in the second league, so a little bit interesting. But yeah, their goaltending was good. Their defense was solid. They didn't really play a Russian run-and-gun style. I mean, they obviously took it easy on the Swiss there. Like, both games, their defense just, I mean, Hail Mary passes left, right, and center. They didn't care about covering the D zone. That's why Switzerland was able to score on them. Like, don't give me this, oh, Switzerland's better than Canada. They scored seven goals on Russia. No, the Russians didn't take them seriously. I mean, give me a break. Russia's looking for point night. And it came down to that. I mean, yet again, 
the Americans stuffed them when it mattered the most. Biggest stage. Who's going to perform? Wasn't the Russians. They they were an interesting team here. I mean, nobody really knowed or knew who uh, Vitaly Kratsov was. Like he's a ninth overall pick, and everyone's like, nobody really knew who he was at the time of the draft. And then ninth overall to the Rangers, uh, Gregory Denisenko, fifteenth overall to the Florida Panthers, and then Alexander Alexiev, thirty first overall to Washington, who I've seen a couple times uh, with Red Deer. And then Alexander Romanov with uh, 38th overall to Montreal. And those four guys, I mean, Romanov was tournament all-star. Denisenko led the tournament in scoring. Alexeyev was a plus nine with six points. And Kratsov had six points in seven games to go along with Kostin, six and seven. I mean, they were an interesting team. I think that they were a little one-nine one line ish, maybe like, you know, Colorado avalanche type thing. Uh, the Oilers prospect, Sam Rukov had a really good tournament too. So it's there. It's such a toss up with Russia. I mean, as, uh, as Ray Ferraro said, you, you don't really know with Russia because they take a new set of 19 year olds every year. It's not like you see, for example, like a Ryan Ellis of Russia who plays in the tournament three straight years and then just, you know who he is by 19. Like all these guys, they never really played before. I guess uh, that pod Colson was on the team, but didn't play much as the tournament went on. So they, they were fun to watch and skilled. But at the end of the day, I think that the States were the better team, but man, Denisenko is impressive. There's a couple of Artemi Panarin comparisons and it didn't seem too far off. You skilled. I mean, great with the puck. That was the first thing I noticed with him. Dennis Sanko, behind the net, he's got not Kuznetsov-like vision, but boy, I mean, he moves well, he can handle the puck well, and he makes plays. He He's great at setting up his teammates. Who is that small guy with the speed on their team? Slepitz? Yeah, maybe it was someone like that. Is that the kid that had like a whack ton of breakaways? Yeah, and he had five goals. Yeah. He was he had some wheels. Oh man. Like, I don't want to put him on a comparison with Jack Hughes, but like when that Slepitz kid got going, oh man. He would burn kids. He made him look stupid. Like top quality defensemen, and he's blowing past them. Even the Americans, even guys like Quinn Hughes were getting burned wide by this kid. I don't know like I don't know anything about him other than he impressed me with his speed alone. Yeah, and just just uh, another stat here on how big of a toss-up predicting some of the, the Europeans are because a lot of these guys play in men's leagues over there, like the top finish league, the KHL, whatever. Alexander Romanov in 28 KHL games with CSKA Moscow doesn't have a point. And at the World Juniors this year, he had eight and seven games. It was a plus 12, as we mentioned, tournament all-star. Montreal Canadiens draft pick. So, I mean, you look at Montreal, it's, they're probably pretty happy with their guys. Two, two first-team All-Stars at the tournament. So there's that. Uh, before we get to Canada, let's let's talk about the All-Star team. Uh, this is the the media All-Star team that we'll just say here. Uh, goalie Uko Pekalukinen, as we said, not a great, not a spectacular round robin, but got it down when it mattered against... 
Canada didn't really need to be great against Swiss and then played great against the Americans. Alexander Romanov, we talked about. Eric Brandstrom, the Vegas Vegas first-round pick from a couple years back. I think he might have been the best defenseman at the tournament, but of course he plays on the Sweden team that doesn't really show up in the playoffs and they lost to Switzerland. Then Gregory Denisenko we talked about. Philip Kurashev, who had six goals for the Swiss. And then Ryan Paling, who... I believe was named tournament MVP. So, and he was great too. So there are your tournament all-stars. Khrushchev was good. That was a guy who stood out. You know what? I expected a lot from that Eggenberger and Khrushchev completely overshadowed him. Much better performance. Eggenberger was good for the Swiss, but boy, that Khrushchev just found times to score and he was a difference maker for the Swiss. Yeah, he, he was great. And I guess you know it's it's probably time to talk about Team Canada. What what are your thoughts on on them? Obviously, they they pretty much held their fate in their own hands. They had the New Year's Eve game against Russia, and it was win and you play Slovakia and lose and you draw Finland or the States. So they lost. Uh, they lost two one on a late uh, late rush by Russia there, and then they played Finland and we're up for they're up one nothing pretty much for half the game there and sure enough uh at the end was it 43 seconds or something ellie tolvin and drives a net it goes off the side of the net which you never see a guy bank it off the side of the net because you never know how loose or tight the netting is but bounces to the side and then off of alexei heponiemi and under the arm of di pietro and then sure enough uh finland won an overtime off noah dobson's broken stick but Let's be real here. This Canadian team wasn't good enough, and it showed. 100%. I mean, one, stick it, Bauer. That was, uh, that was a joke. I think he used Bauer, right? It was a Bauer stick. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I think that one timer's going in, if he's able to connect. But moving on, yeah, 100%. They weren't good enough. Even from that tying goal, everyone goes, oh, lucky bounce. Wait, why did they just let Tolvanen walk in into the, I mean, the ozone like that? Honestly, he had no pressure on him. He had so much room. The defense's gap was brutal. Honestly, like their D zone wasn't that good all tournament. And it showed in multiple goals where, I mean, opposing players are just able to walk to the net. And I get it. Tolvanen was behind the goal line, whatever. But why wasn't he pinched off on the half wall or something? Why didn't anyone, why wasn't anyone within a six distance of him until he was right at the net? Like he was just soft defense. That whole D zone coverage was almost a joke. We're lucky Finland didn't score half a dozen. Uh, I mean, Di Pietro saved his best game for last. He couldn't come up with the big saves like UPL, and they lose. I mean, Canada wasn't good enough to get a medal in this tournament. And, yeah, I mean, as you said, they had their fate in their hands against Russia. Yeah. You want a, you want a favorable match? I get, I get it. The other pool was tough. But yet again, you still got to win those round-robin games. Well, exactly. And I mean, on that goal, Glass turns away in the neutral zone, then Ty Smith just let him kind of walk by him in the D zone there as your reference. And it's so, as as you said, they weren't good enough to get a medal. And honestly, they weren't. They, by my saying, I think they're the fourth best team there. Uh, I'd say that of the Power Five, uh, US, Finland, Russia and Sweden, that Sweden was the only team they were better than just because 
obviously the Swedes were unbeaten in the round robin, but I said it at the start that their lack of forward depth up front was going to hurt them, and it did. Uh, they had Boakfist and Brandstrom on the back end, but yeah, after that, I mean, we talked about and we, I honestly could probably name about six or seven players who would have been Canada's best player because I don't even think they had one. And you look at our top scores at the tournament, Morgan Frost, eight points, five of them came against Denmark. Max Comtois, six points, five goals, four of them came against Denmark. Cody Glass, six points, four of them came against Denmark. Brett Leeson, five points, four of them came against Denmark. I mean, you take out that Denmark game and our leading scorers have three or four points. Like Max Comtois had two points at one goal after the Denmark game and it went off a guy's pants. And I mean, just here, here's the guys who we probably would, would take ahead of them. I mean, Paling, Jack Hughes, Denisenko would have been Canada's best player. Kratzhoff would have been Canada's best player. Costin. You can make the Haponiemi argument. You can make the uh, Nekash argument. I know the checks were really disappointing, but they didn't have a top guy, and even defensively too. I mean, we got two two goals from our D that entire tournament, and Evan Bouchard wasn't very good. Noah Dobson wasn't great. Uh, Ty Smith was good at times, but he he seemed to be overpowered at others. It was just one of those years, and we mentioned it's it's a bad year for uh, this year born players. I guess you're referencing probably. 99 and 2000 and it showed in the west in the nhl draft i mean you look at that and ty smith's the only uh canadian from the whl taken in the first 35 picks that's i can almost guarantee that's never happened before and it showed on the ice i mean maybe we're biased but canada seems to be better with more western league players and this year there just wasn't the crop of them to choose from yeah it's, I mean, before we start getting DMs and tweets at us, thanks to Adam for ripping the kids. We, I mean, we're hockey guys. We understand that even though, like, we're, it's not like we're ripping on these people as, like, or these kids as, like, people. Like, it's not like we've got anything against them. It's all, it's all hockey here. I mean, we understand it's the biggest tournament in the world. It's a massive showcase. These kids are better than any of us will ever be. I mean, but yet again, Canada wasn't good enough, as you said. The, I don't, I mean, if you want to think top five for goalies, defense, forwards, I guess goalies, Di Pietro is probably a top five goalie in the tournament. Did Canada even have a top five defenseman in this tournament? I don't think so. Especially not offensive. No, because there's two guys on Russia. No, there's two guys on Russia, two on Sweden, two on Finland, and two on the Americans. So I'm not even sure we had a top eight defenseman. See, like, and then forwards, definitely not. Like, it was bad. So, honestly, Canada didn't deserve to give them some credit there. They almost pulled off the upset, I'd call it, because Finland was obviously the better team. They won the tournament. But how lucky did Canada get that the Americans won that round robin game? Because if Canada plays the USA in the quarterfinals, Canada gets schlacked. Five rip. The Americans would come into Vancouver. They got no pressure. They're not on home soil. They're buzzing. All tournament. All tournament. I guarantee you the Americans wanted to play the Canadians. 
Whereas Canada's like, oh my goodness, we're probably a little bit mediocre. And they they wouldn't want to get embarrassed. So I, I honestly feel like if Canada played the Americans in the quarters, we probably would have got thumped. And, and another point I wanted to bring up, college players. You talked about it on the last one. Also on the last pod, how sick was that? Uh, yeah, not a big deal. I called the Swiss upset over Finland. And you called the Finland over Canada? Over Sweden. Oh, yeah. What did I say? Swiss over Sweden. And you called um, Finland yeah. over Canada. So not a big deal there. But also another thing you brought up on the last one, when we were talking about Kale McCarr, is college players. And didn't we see at this tournament how much that maturity is? Seeing those kids play against 23 to 24, 25-year-olds compared to 16, 17-year-olds? Even look at that Tal video from Finland. I think he plays at Penn State. Man, he's a poised player. He's a yeah. pretty mature guy out there. That's a guy you want leading your team. Look at Canada. We had Ian Mitchell, only college player. The Americans had 19 college players. They were poised through it. Heck, they came back down 2 nothing in the gold medal game against Finland, who had the best goalie in the tournament. That's some pretty damn good poise right there, if you ask me. And yet again, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with playing college hockey. I think without a doubt, the top college teams are obviously better than your average major junior team. And yes, I get it. Connor McDavid, those guys are going to play major juniors. They're going to go to the NHL and be studs. But top to bottom, there's nothing like playing against those 24-year-olds. Even men, look at Alexi Heponiemi. Playing in the top finish league now. I mean, him getting whacked or hit by Lafreniere is a joke. He's not going to do any damage. I don't know. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I think those teams have the advantage when they're playing against men or college players versus the QMJHL. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, just looking at it, oh, everyone's like, Brett Leeson's averaging close to two points a game and I'm not ripping on him by any means. I think that he actually played quite well in the tournament, but you go there, it gets, as we said, you know, half a step, a step faster. And a lot of these guys are kind of realizing that it's uh, it's not the CHL anymore. And as you said, the guys that are playing against men overseas and in the States, they're, they're doing, they have tougher games year round. And just from a developmental standpoint and, with Hockey Canada, I mean, it's just they they put too much stock into showing that they've developed players, showing that the program of excellence actually actually works and benefits players just by, I don't have, I'm just assuming a lot of these guys would have played U17, 18, and now 20, but they put too much stock into showing that they've developed these players, so... These guys are just getting pushed along and then ultimately like they get put U17, 18, then ultimately put on the U20 team to show that their program's done something and that without that program and without making or without wearing the Maple Leaf before, they wouldn't be at this point where they're at today. And then they come here and we get waxed. And it seems like uh, that our older players get the benefit of the doubt. Like we're just... Oh, 19 year olds, you know, it's a big deal if a draft eligible makes a team and stuff like that. Look how many bird cages that the Finns had. 
they had a guy who's two years away getting drafted playing on a second line while our guy who's two years away from getting drafted can't even wouldn't even play and our coach ripped him and we'll get to tim hunter in a second but there's two canadians who play in the western hockey league kirby doc and dylan cousins who are going to be top five picks in the draft and they don't even sniff our team because hockey canada knows better and they or they think they know better and they want to say this is a 19 year old tournament we're taking the oldest guys available but then a 17 year old scores the winner at the tournament jack hughes plays very well at the tournament. Pod Colson is on Russia's second power play. And Canada's out in the quarterfinals. And just another stat here showing that the developmental stage and teams have caught up. This are, is this our are tweet from right after the game. Uh, a Canadian player hasn't been taken first overall since Connor McDavid in 2015. So that's Austin Matthews, Nico Heischer, uh, and who's the other one I'm forgetting? Or is that just two? Austin Matthews, Nico, or Rasmus Dahlin. So, and then here's here's kind of a mind-blowing stat. There's been four total Canadians picked in the top five in the last four drafts. Four of 20 players in the last four drafts in the top five have been Canadian. And then sure enough, the top three this year, Hughes, American, Kako, Finnish, Pod Colson, Russian. So there you go. It's, I mean, the, the stats don't lie there. You know, yet again, everything we said, it, it, I mean, it, it's coming too. How much better would the Canadians be? I mean, it's not like we can find a replacement for Lafreniere. You know what? He did his job for what he's worth. It's not easy out there being a young player. But the top, the cream of the crop, they did their job. The Canadians... We didn't get enough out of guys who we needed it from. Hayton, he was, it's not like he was invisible because he was out there turning the puck over. That whole line, they struggled. And to your point, I know you didn't bring it up, but would Canada be better if they're putting guys on a par instead of going with this, you know, oh, these people played under 17s, under 18s, you know, they've played with this guy before. If Kirby Doc or Dylan Cousins is equal to one of those guys, why not give him a shot? Why not let him play? I'd rather see young guys lose. Look at Switzerland. Look at even, well, I guess Czech Republic was very underwhelming this year. But those guys with experience. Why, why did we have to bring an old team to Buffalo? Like, yet again. Look at some of those teams. Even the Czechs, they did go pretty young this year. I think they got a bunch that can go back, including their goaltender. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if we're going to be that mediocre, let's at least keep some pride instead of saying we're sending our best players knocked out in the quarterfinals. But. Yeah, as as you said, we'd, we'd almost rather lose and... Just say, look, it's it's a tough year for us, but we're going to bring guys here, give them the experience so they can come back next year, not we're taking guys because they played for us and they're having decent years. I mean, I've seen Kirby Doc go head-to-head with with Brett Leeson and Ty Smith and uh, who is the other demon on that team, like Josh Brook all year, and he's he's right there with them. I mean, they're obviously different positions, but he's right there with them. And he doesn't even get a sniff of the team. 
which I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. And you saw a 99 group week, 2000 group, not much better, but the 01 group that won the Holinka tournament, that's a good group. You know, you got some legitimate talent there. And as you said, like, just to reiterate here, we're not ripping on these kids. We, we, we like watching hockey, but we're real, we're realistic about it. I mean, at this point, we're still fans, but we also, in a way, cover the tournament. And you have to be realistic about what you're seeing. And we're not ripping Max and Comtois or Cody Glass or Owen Tippett or any of those guys or Evan Bouchard. But compared to other countries and what we saw, Canada wasn't the best team here and it showed. And for all the people calling out Max Comtois on social media, like specifically with the threats and everything, it's it's a joke, by the way. Like you're a piece of shit if you're doing that. Um, if you wanna call him out to your friends or have a discussion about this guy shouldn't be diving anymore because it's embarrassing for him, the team, and the country, you can do that. And we've done it on here because it's embarrassing. And as guys who have played hockey and guys whose friends play against these guys and are kind of their their counterparts. They say the same things. It's a joke that he's diving. So we're not blaming the loss on him. I mean, a penalty shot's 50-50. But at the same time, why is he taking it with the separated shoulder? And there's better guys to choose. But anyways, you know, that's just our two cents. Oh, my goodness. I was going to bring that up. That was that was going to be mine. You, you kind of stole it from me there. But, yeah, yet again, that that comes back to the whole Tim Hunter. And we will get there. But I wanted to ask you about another thing. When we were talking about age, okay, take this into consideration. Um, I believe the Americans, the Czechs, the Swiss, I believe it's either Sweden or Finland. Okay, their goaltending tandem, their starter, aged like is um, you know like age out, nineteen year old, except for the Czechs because Dossler can come back, and it makes sense why they played him. I, I totally think Skerek would have gave him a better chance to win. Not not part of the question here. Why? If the Canadians said, Mikey DiPietro is our guy. Ian Scott, you're here to back up. You're here to play one game. If that was already written in stone, what's it helping the Canadians by bringing Ian Scott versus a damn good 18-year-old who can come back the next year? And he's going to have that experience. It doesn't matter if they're going to keep bringing teams like Denmark, Kazakhstan to the tournament. Like, why not give someone the Germany game next year? Why not give an 18-year-old that Germany game? Give him the experience. Sure, he's going to get 15 shots, probably get a shutout, probably have a cool story to tell. I, I just don't get it in a sense of these other teams are outsmarting. Is that a word? I don't know. They're outsmarting Canada or the Canadian mentality, hockey Canada, if you want to go with that. Yeah, I think that's that'd be valuable for a goalie. This the days of taking a goalie in the um in the first round seems to be over in the draft. I'm just looking and Olivier Rodrigue is the highest drafted Canadian goalie in last year's draft, and he's picked uh, with the last pick of the second round by Edmonton. So his dad works for the team. It's an interesting, yeah, well, 
There you go. Um, eight, he has an 897 that. save percentage this year. But it's an interesting dynamic to it where it's uh, – and it's it's also interesting because the tournaments in Canada, you want to try and ice the best team and not be realist about it. It's the same – it happens at every level. I mean, uh, people over over-evaluate what they have and – they're looking at a birth certificate of a guy to see if that he's I'm not valuable, but to see if he deserves to be on the team just because he's 19 instead of 18. But at the same time, you look at it and as we've said numerous times, this wasn't Canada's year. The 99 age group isn't good enough and it hasn't been. I mean, you look 95, 96, 97, like those are, those are prime years and it showed, showed on the, on the podium, but this year it, it wasn't kind of, and it's not like we lost with like Dylan Strom and Mitch Marner lighting it up. And it's not like we lost to a team that had five guys that are NHL superstars. And I'm referencing the 16 team that Canada lost to in Finland, where our goalies were atrocious, but we lost to a team that had Patrick Liney, Sebastian Aho, Miko Rantanen, Kasperi Kapanen, and Jesse Pugliarvi. We didn't lose to that team. Like Finland was good, but they weren't that good. But it's and then we we have our our guys and they backed off. I mean, Cody Glass is sixth overall pick and he's gonna have a great career, but he's drafted six overall based on potential, not based on who's gonna do the best of the world juniors in two years. I agree. But yet again, back on the goaltenders. I mean, I hate to uh get you back on topic of what I wanted to actually talk about and not your own rant. But okay, UPL, he played every minute last year as an eighteen year old. Caden Primo, third goaltender. They also had Spencer Knight as their third goaltender. He's going to be their starter next year. He's got that experience of just being at the tournament. I think he played pre-tournament. I don't think he actually, like he backed up during the actual thing when Kaiser was sick. But Dostal, Dostal, whatever, check kid, plays this year. Guaranteed next year he's going to be a stud. I mean, I'd put money on that right now. So what, it just doesn't seem like an advantage. And let's just use Rodrigue for an example. Why couldn't Rodrigue or any other 18-year-old for that matter have done the job that Ian Scott did? I get it. Like, oh, well, what happens if... We have three goalie spots. We didn't use it. Yeah. what? Like, I get it. Like, oh, what happens if Di Pietro gets hurt? Then who's going to play? Then you play the 18-year-old. It, it's honestly so rare. One's, I don't I can't even think of a Canadian goalie who's got hurt at the tournament, like actually like hurt to the point of like can't play. So, and even if they have a bad game, they're the cream of the crop. If you're bringing the net best 19-year-old goalie in the country and he can't be- and he can't bounce back from a bad game, he's not the best 19-year-old. I'm sorry to say, especially in Canada. There's no chance. Yeah, I agree and those the Hockey Canada summer goalie programs, they're not, as you as you always hear, I mean, you can't replicate game speed. Them going there, doing training, having the goalie coach work with them isn't going to help them in a game. It might give them something to think about, but it's not going to, you know, just translate into them dominating for Canada in the game. And, I mean, we have three goalie spots. Why don't you maybe use it? Bring... Bring Rodriguez or bring a guy who's having a good year. I mean, Joel Hofer is a fourth-round pick. He's got over a 900 save percentage on the worst team in the CHL. Here's here's how good he's been this year. 
over a 900 save percentage with a goals against average of 4.3, seeing like four, 48 shots a game, he's stopping 44. So there's his 900 save percentage, which is, is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not saying he should be there, but they have to start looking into ways of getting guys actually grained into just just picking guys for the team based on who he thinks is going to do good for you for that two weeks. You should think of it as a two-tournament thing. Exactly what I'm saying. Where it's like the first tournament's not great. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, well, why? Like, what's what's Hunter's thoughts? What's their thoughts on having a fourth line of nineteen-year-olds who play six minutes a night? If that's the case, use that for the good of the future. Use it for next tournament. Give some of those youngsters. I get it. Lafreniere is a fourth-line player. He's a thirteenth forward. That doesn't matter. That's still great experience. Why? Because if Lafreniere comes back to next year's tournament. Now he's he's seen the top. He's played on home soil. Like you've got all those nerves out of the way. You've got your first world juniors done. You know what to expect, and you're just a step ahead, automatically. So yeah, I guess I mean to say you're not pleased with how things went for Canada is probably an understatement. But yet again, I mean, give me your thoughts on Tim Hunter overall, like, or even the whole coaching staff. Staff, not Tim Hunter. We don't need to single him out. Other than that penalty shot choice, which is absurd if Maxime Comtois had a hurt shoulder. That could be one of the worst coaching moves. That's like, you know, the Mighty Ducks knew Charlie Conway was healthy before they sent him out at least. But yet again, the power play was atrocious. Why wasn't that changed up? The penalty kill wasn't good. Honestly, the the D zone in general wasn't effective against all these other countries with speed. Why couldn't we change it? Why? What? I mean... Give me, give me your uh, report card on the coaches, on the systems, whatever. Uh, just on the power play and penalty kill, the top power play was 0 of 16, and they they did a really good job on TSN of just showing, uh, like Cody Glass going, coming from the half wall, being in a shooting position, and turning back. When you turn back, there's there's no play, right? The only play is up to the D man, right? So, just little things like that, and. The, the guy in the middle, and this is part of the reason why Washington's power play is so dominant, is TJ Oshie plays the middle spot as good as anybody in hockey, and Canada didn't use that at all. Like Their, their top power play is basically four on four with one of their guys standing in the middle just taking up space. And that's what it was the whole tournament. And just on the coaching perspective, uh, the Comtois penalty shot, I get that you're picking your captain, although at the same time it was announced after he had a separated shoulder. And at the same time, in the pregame show, they're talking about Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett scoring on this guy four times and on a breakaway. So there's that where you need some familiarity. But as we said, I mean, 50-50 shot, you don't really know what's going to happen. As far as the coaching goes, here's what I would like to see, and it's never going to happen, but here's what I would like to see. I'd like to see a guy who has no aspirations of getting back to the NHL. For example, a Brent Sutter who is content in Red Deer, doesn't seem to be going back to the NHL anytime soon, and isn't going to use the World Juniors as part of a arrogant power trip to run the team to show teams how how you control your players i mean like you know what i mean where it's 
you want a guy who's not using the world juniors to show the world how good he is at coaching. You want a guy who's going to be there to develop the players and who's going to going to play as 17 year old players and let them make mistakes. Like to me with Tim Hunter, it seemed like he's so focused on getting to the NHL and the rumors are there that he was leaving no room for error given that his 17 year old barely played and their first line was out there every second or third shift. Like he kept going back to his guys and his guys just to try and win and said, say that he won opposed to actually coaching a team and trying to, to get them to the level they had to go to. Now, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, it might seem like a crazy idea, but hear me out, hear me out. Why do they need to bring a coach who's coaching major juniors? What advantage is it that Tim Hunter coaches in Moose Jaw? Why not bring in someone who is strictly here for two months or whatever, month and a bit, however long the whole pre-tournament camp is, and then that summer camp, like get them out there, get them used to some of those players, let them scout during the whatever month break, months of the first start of the season. Why does it have to be a CHL coach? Why can't, I mean, I'm throwing out a name here. I know Sean Burke like picks the team or something. Why can't it be him coaching? Why can't it be, I mean, I, I'm drawing a blank here. Of, like, I'm going to say Joel Quenville. I know like he's not going to be the guy. But why can't it be someone like that? Is there, is there a rule that it has to be a CHL coach? It can't be a former NHL coach. Or do, do no former NHLers want to coach? I, I imagine that seems berserk. I think that they should just hire a coach who takes the year off from whatever. T- like, I think they should hire a, a coach that his title's like Hockey Canada head coach, and he coaches the U18 and U20 teams. And, like, basically, like, his job title is the same as one as if it was like an NHL coaching job where it's just like, that's your job to focus on that team, making them better, scouting other teams, scouting the players that you're going to pick opposed to just Tim, like a guy who's focused on his club team goes to the super series with just a third of what that team's going to be. And then goes back to back to his club team for a week and then gets together of who he wants to, to play with. But I mean, a week in the summer isn't enough for, for him to know, right? Like you're relying too much on scouts opposed to to the actual coach. I mean, just from from Tim Hunter's, I guess this is the only thing I'll side with him is, how much does he know about Alexei Lafreniere? That's my point. He saw him for a week in the summer and yeah, he saw him for a week in the summer and then he, he got to – he basically met him in Victoria and in my mind, he was already on the team just by, as we said, the U17, 18, this guy's our 16 year old prodigy. He's going to be on the team. And I think the only way to fix that, like, I mean, hockey Canada has money coming out of their ass. Like they probably have enough money to give a coach a full-time job to just say, Hey, you're a U18 coach and you're a world junior coach and just leave it at that and have that be his title. And if this guy wants to move on eventually, he can. But he's not fo- focusing on the Moose Jaw Warriors and if they're winning their game that night. But even though you have to play Russia tomorrow, like, you know what I mean? I 100% agree. I mean, that was exactly what I was getting at. 
it's just so blatant of why every year it's not like we're getting out coached but it seems like just something's not clicking maybe there's a little bit of a bias out there and it just seems like couldn't this be solved if we had a neutral coach as you said hockey canada's got money coming out of their ass they can take the time to hire a guy for six months even a full year whatever just seems a little bit outrageous maybe it's a pride thing like do you think extra people watch it because they're like oh i want to see how tim hunter does i don't think so i don't know I'd, I'd love to know the reasoning like the actual reasoning on why they do that yeah and i don't know which country does it but it seems like they're focused more on like other countries i, I don't know which one but it seems they're focused more on their coach coaching the the national team opposed to if he even had a club team like i know that the christian volvan guy in switzerland he's big into like swiss hockey and their development i don't actually know if he coaches or not but just like things like that where it's like you're big into the development and you're big into taking like the swiss took the youngest team ever to the world juniors last year got waxed came back with 14 returning players and did well and i think canada could learn something from that and it doesn't have to be 14 as we've said Try four. Try four. If you got six and one of those is a third goaltender, great. If not, I mean, whatever. Okay, moving on. Done talking about the roster. Let's talk about some more fun stuff. Clem Costin. Boy, his antics sure had everyone talking. I mean, I get it. It's heat of the moment. No one's perfect. Hey, we're not Leah Sanderson throwing our medals. Whatever. He's pissed off. They make him go up there after the game, which is stupid. I mean, player of the tournament right after you get eliminated? Oh my goodness, Double IHF's a joke for even trying to do that, for one. But yet again, they go up, they give him a stupid watch. He gets it, he's done with it, takes his picture, throws it on the bench, whatever. Gives the crowd a nice little F you since they're booing him. Whatever, it's hockey. But... For him to like have to issue a statement, isn't that a little bit far? Like he, he, like he, he told people to fuck off. He didn't go tell anyone to kill themselves. Like he didn't really offend anyone. I mean, if you're offended by that, sorry. But I don't know. Like that wasn't that a little bit extra how it played out. And I got to say, that's hundred percent media fault almost for how it played out that was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think he really needed to issue a statement. Uh, the Vancouver fans seemed to think so if they were booing him the next day, but I don't know. It's it's an emotional tournament. You feel like you let everyone down and you're forced to go up in front of cameras. I know that a lot of people would probably handle it the same way. Exactly. And I'm not going to fault them for that. And then next day he scores, crowds booing him, he plugs his ears. And I mean... TSN does another 15-minute segment on it. Like, this guy likes being a villain. He likes being a center of attention. He's not going to issue a statement every time. So why are we blowing us out of proportion? It's a kid. He loves to sell it. Like, honestly, but it seems like we make such a big deal about it because everyone's like, oh, act like you've been there before. He hasn't. He hasn't played on this big of a stage. This is the biggest stage he's ever played on, maybe even will ever play on. So. 
yet again, like everyone just needs to hop off the high horse here. Everyone's a perfect human being. But the the whole cameras in the face after I get it, like that whole paling thing after. I mean, you had a tweet about that, and then people still had the audacity to be like, "Oh, he should know, like it's coming, like you know, he should be happy to have silver." Like, what? Have you ever lost a big game in your life? Like, have you ever been in a moment like a quarter of that big and like known the emotion? No, I mean I'm impressed when paling goes up there even. Or how about half the Americans? that went up there to get their medal and they look composed. Like, that's impressive. I mean, I get it. I'm an emotional person. But, damn, you got to give them some credit. How they act so professional at the age of 18 and 19. Like, let's not try to rip on these kids for showing some emotion. Yeah, and Jack Hughes is, what is he, 17 or 18? And he's getting asked about the tournament after. And it's, you, you want to be anywhere but there. I know it's it's part of, like, the, the post-game interviews are fine. Um Maybe a little a little later after. I know you still have to face the music and and stuff like that. The on ice stuff could wait though. I mean, do you think that Ryan Paling wants to go up and take a picture with Renee Fassell because he was named tournament MVP? No, he like he's probably smashing that trophy in the dressing room right after he gets it anyways. When the Kelowna Rockets made the Memorial Cup and they won they lost in the finals in overtime and dry settle gets named mvp as his trophy smashed it after the game because at that point in time what do you want to do with an mvp trophy when your team just lost right like you you want nothing to do with it i'm sure i'm sure one day you'll have it up in your house damaged or not and you'll say you know what that was that was a great time and a good memory and i played really well there like you can look back on it in five years, not five minutes after you lose. Man, there was, I can't remember. It was last year around that whole silver medal time when people were calling out Leah Sanderson and there was multiple NHLers that were like, I've got my silver or bronze medal. It's still hiding in my closet. Haven't looked at it since I was 19 years old. Those are guys who have been there, who have, I mean, like played in those games and truly like those are the guys you should be listening to. Not some dickhead oh, excuse my language whatever i'll probably offend someone with that one but like you know it's not some idiot on twitter going like they should be proud of their silver medal immediately after they just lost the biggest game of their life in an emotional roller coaster where a youngster with a bird cage buries on you with just over a minute left like these people have no clue what it's like so yet again like i mean it's just weird, almost frustrating to see people act like that. I got a funny story, though. When I was, oh, man, I want to say it was like Bantams, probably something like that. We lose in the league finals. Like, you know, the other team gets the trophy. We get our silver medals. And I tossed mine in the garbage right after. I remember that. It was like, uh, I, can't, I can't remember. It was someone's parent, though. I think it was like the backup Tendy parent like said something to me in the dressing room and our coach just snapped. It was Kent Woods. Like he asked Cole Lind about him. He's got some funny things to say. But yeah, I don't know. Someone said like, they're like, they're like, oh, like, you know, that's classless or something. I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm a Bantam kid right now. I just tossed a silver medal. Like whatever. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to hang a Bantam silver medal. Looking back at it, I'm like, good. But uh, outrageous. And yet again, I can't imagine like, 
that stage is like a bazillion times bigger. And yeah, kind of, I mean, gutless, especially for that whole like Ryan Paling thing where it's like, oh, you're on the all-star team and you got MVP. But yet again, they're not really taking a picture. They're just going to give you something just so they can get you in front of a camera. Stupid. Seems outrageous. I don't know. If you want to go to the World Juniors next year, I doubt tickets are out. But why don't you just check, check out SeatGeek? SeatGeek is an app that takes out the confusion of buying tickets. Uh, tickets are given a grade based on value, a 1 to 10 score on each ticket to let you know if you're getting a good or bad deal. View from the seats lets you see where you're going to sit. Download the app, go to the settings tab, hit add a promo code, use our promo code, WORLDHockeyReport, all caps, no spaces, for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. You can download the app off the App Store and use our code, WORLDHockeyReport, all caps, no spaces. Another massive shout out though. Any day rosé. I mean, if there's like the the best drink you can think of to be sipping on while you're walking, watching a hockey game, any day rosé for sure. I mean, just like fruity, crisp, like light on the stomach. There's no junk. It's like, you know, it's healthier than whatever else junk you're drinking. 85% uh, cider. Good. Crisp cider too. And 15% real rosé wine. You can actually buy it. With Venmo, that's outrageous. You can buy it online too, shipped right to your door. Nothing easier. Never been easier. I mean, it's the wines made right in the heart of wine country, California. 6.9% alcohol. So yeah, it's going to give you that little bit of a buzz. You're not going to hate it. So it's anydayrosie.com slash worldhockey is where you're going to get it. Uh, and you know what? You get yourself 10% off. When you use the like anydayrosie.com slash worldhockey. And of course... You want to get yourself 10% off our promo code, World Hockey Report, all caps, no spaces. You already know that by now. Adam, you know what? It was a good tournament. As, I mean, it was a great episode, but looking back, good tournament. What was your favorite moment from the World Juniors? My favorite moment of the 2019 World Juniors was the guy getting the autographs in the penalty box, but then getting called out, so making a sign. Let's get out of here. Hey, next episode, more NHL talk. Thanks, of course, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at WorldHockeyRPT, website WorldHockeyReport.com. Best blogs up there. Also, shout out Adam, Nafe, killing it on the blogs. We rocked it. Thanks to everyone who followed. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, and, of course, on 12-Ounce Sports Radio. <laughs>